Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Up on the PowerPoint, you've got uh, a statement. A pillar of Faith Point is missions. We've got three main pillars in the house, and missions is one of those pillars. And um, I get to work with lots of churches around the country, around the world, and I am so delighted to be rooted in Faith Point because missions is more than words. It's a value. It's not even part of a tapestry of who we are. It, it is who we are. Um, and I believe there's a mandate on our church that is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our measure. And I really believe we're on the cusp of moving into our true destiny, locally, regionally, and internationally. And so when Pastor James put together the website and a whole bunch of stuff, this is a picture on our website of West Harbour, a marina, the boats and all that. And it was superimposed with these words, impacting the nations, taking the gospel to every tribe, nation, tongue, with what God has placed, not into our heart as a church, but what he's put into your heart. And the question this morning is, what is God putting into your heart and your hand? And what is he going to do with it? Because as Pastor James has been talking over the last weeks, there's a assessment on our life going to take place. Not just for our heart of our church, but for you as an individual. And it's not said with light words. It's said with a weight, a weight of responsibility. I know that life whizzes by so quickly. My kids have grown up so fast. The grandkids are starting to shoot up now as well. Um, they're going to be taller than me. I'm just going to be like a... <laughs> they are, you know, that tall. Um, but that life goes by so, so, so quickly. And I know that I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and he's going to ask some heavy-duty questions. And I tell you what, friends, I want to have the right answers. You know, I desperately, that's the prayer of my heart, that I can have that statement, well done, good and faithful servant. And I, and I want to see that multiplied. I don't want to see it happen just within my life. I want to see it um, go viral around the world. And we only get one short crack at life. Some have given 70 years, some have given 80. It's short. Now I brought to this morning a prop. It's a toothpaste tube if you can't see it or if you're listening on the, um, the website this morning. Who uses Colgate? McLean's? Steridant? <laughs> uh, who doesn't use anything? <laughs> That's the question. This is my personal favourite. It's um, Pepsodent. I get it from Indonesia when I go. It tastes good. Um, it does the job better. You know. But the thing is, toothpaste in a toothpaste tube is absolutely useless unless it's... Sque well, it's, it can squeeze it. It'll go messy. We've got to take the cap off and we've got to apply it. Right? And I believe for the church, we've got this hand of God on the church. And he's starting to take us to situations and he's starting to squeeze us out. He's starting to apply us into situations. 
What does toothpaste do? It protects us from decay. Our world is full of spiritual decay. And we've got to take what's in our heart and our life and start to dispense it into the septicness, into the decay of life, whether it's across the back fence, across the road, or across the far side of the world. What's he asking you to do? Because if he's asking you to do it, he's going to ask that question at the end of times. Well, I asked you to do this. What did you do? And as a church, this is why we want to try, try and cultivate the prophetic for you to hear God's word to you directly so you can be more responsive to that. So that's a requirement for us. Toothpaste is no good just sitting on the shelf. It's got to be used daily, not weekly. We can come to church once a week, but if we've got toothpaste, who cleans their teeth once a week or is that too close to home? (laughs) Hopefully we're doing teeth at least twice, maybe even three times a day. Somebody might want to get three or four doses a day, I don't know. Uh, But the thing is, we can't afford to come to church and just treat Sunday like toothpaste, use it once a week. There's too much spiritual decay in our world for that to happen. We've got to apply the church into the world, which is pretty sick and foul-smelling. It's reeking wisely. But it's not the church's responsibility to do that. It's also your responsibility. And so James will get a you know, playback of his life. Well, James, I've called you to start Faith Point. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, what do you do with all the things I asked you to do? That's the weight on his shoulders for the host, the shepherd, the, 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 for the flock. That's the clear-cut thing. But for you as an individual, the same thing will be applying. It might be a, a hairy, scary, over-the-top thing. Well, I'll tell you what. If Jonah could go to Nineveh and see rapid change quickly because he did what God told him to do, anything could happen. You know, the mandate in your life will be totally different to Viv's or Nick's or my wife's. But it's going to be unique. The mandate is to impact the nations. And so what's he asking me to do? What's he asking you to do? That has to be an ongoing live question. You get out of bed every day. What am I supposed to be doing? We've got to be light-footed in hearing what we can do. You know, it might be stopping to talk to someone while you're walking your dog and spend some quality time or just speak blessing into the life. I don't know what it is. I can't make that up. What's he asking you to do? But we're having people rise to the challenge. You know, young Peter was born overseas. Uh, Peter won't mind me mentioning this. Um, your next slide there, Khan. He goes overseas um, quite a bit, travelling. He's a civil engineer. And he's taken his skills into a part of Indonesia and in Borneo, and he's designed this school um, administration centre. It's more than a school administration centre. It's laboratories, science labs, um, staff rooms. It's uh, got you know, all the libraries, all this sort of stuff in there. It's a high school for about 2,000 students. These kids can't go to school, but we're creating a place for these people to come. Well, here we have someone in our congregation, not just sitting on a pew, not just sitting on a plane seat, He's going somewhere with the skill set that God has given him and starting to bless people and provide a way of hope for people in the world. And let's just multiply this going on. You know, it wasn't an ever and ever amen. He came home. He can go to his own sort of refrigerator and comforts back here. He didn't have to stay over there. But he he did something. By the way, this is being commissioned um, this week in Indonesia. Two-story building. 
It's about maybe four or five times the size of this big auditorium, you know, the kitchen and all this sort of stuff, two-story thing. It, it, it's happened really, really quickly. But it takes individuals to hear from God, step out and do something. What's he asking you to do? This guy here um, is a guy I met just a couple of months ago. Um, now, God said, hey, I want you to go into the jungles of Borneo. You know, and this is where headhunters live. And they literally are headhunting people still. And it's a dark demon-filled place. There's witch doctors and they levitate and they astro-travel. It is really intense, over-the-edge, unbelievable stuff. You know, one particular village this year, up until now, has had over 22 people die. Just one small village. One whole community has committed suicide. One whole community. There's hundreds of people. This young man, hearing from God, goes into this community, and you know what? 90% of that community now is Christian in a, less than a year. 90 people, 90%. And he could have said, oh, I've got a wife. She might not let me go. I've got a young baby. How's this going to ever work? But I tell you what, he was faithful. And I tell you what, he's looking for the future. But what he needed is just a little bit of encouragement. Who likes encouragement? We all want encouragement. And even if as a church we've got a culture where we can encourage people here internally, you know, locally, missions, things like that. But even people like that overseas, on the cutting edge, we can do a lot. We can push back the powers and principalities of the evil one. One of the saddest indictments, I think, in the nation of China was this. Marco Polo and his dad went there. And they connected well with the emperor, uh, also in Mongolia. And the emperor said, if you send me 100 missionaries within one generation, the whole of my empire, the whole of my nation will be Christian. You know what? No one rose to the challenge. No one came. Maybe there could have been 100 missionaries that would have come to that nation. What a phenomenal change the landscape of the world would have been now if someone had responded. Well, that was China. Think about Aotearoa, the land of the long white cloud, New Zealand. The Maori were here. And they were hungry after God. But all they needed is someone to come and tell them about him. And people like Samuel Marsden, he was in um, Australia at the time in Melbourne. And he, he heard the urgency and the cry of the people here. And he tried to stir up people to come to speak into the heart of the Maori of New Zealand. You know what happened? No one responded. And he tried to rattle the cages. He had to even go back to London and um, did all that he could to actually stir up people to come to New Zealand. He ended up coming back himself. He had a little bit of resources. But you know what happened? So much happened so quickly. It's like, it was like a viral thing going through Maritim within New Zealand. And we don't have time to talk about that today. That's another story for another time. But the thing is, at least someone did something. Part of our nation... And my cry this morning for the churches of the world is that we don't have people that hear and don't do. We've got to do something. You know, New Zealand is getting a second chance globally in the face of world mission. And we're seeing a, an avalanche. We're seeing a, a tidal wave of missionaries rise up and start to go into the nations of the world. And we want to see it in the heart of Faith Point. It has to happen. We don't want to look back and see like Genghis Khan um, asking for people to come to his nation or Samuel Marsden coming to change a nation, and people ignore the cry. Missions is international, but it is also local. It's local missions. And we're starting to push forward and do some uh, really interesting initiatives. Matthew 6 says this in chapter, chapter 6. Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, verse 33. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God and, is, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We've got to reprioritize. You know, we can sing songs like this, seek ye, first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, but we've got to live that. We've got to do that. And so many times people are seeking first their PlayStation, their Xbox, their Sky Television, their plasma screen TV, the Flash's car. They're all nice to have, but is it seeking first the kingdom of God? In some cases it might be. But I think there's a revaluation of the urgency placed on the shoulders of us as people. Seek first his righteousness, not your own comfort. Yeah, there's a reprioritizing going on. And I tell you what, it's exciting to see young men and women stand up and own this. Um, I'm getting a bit older now. Next year I'm going to be 60. I'm going to be just about a fossil. You know, my time's running out. But I tell you what, friends, there's a new generation rising. And I want to champion them. I want to be able to somehow um, put nuclear fission into their hearts and their lives. So they can do far more than I'll ever be able to do. And it's starting to happen. But as we start to look at the church, you're going to start to see this. We've had the church. It's been a little bit like this factory. Now, in a factory, you can create big fighters or um, Airbuses, something like that. Or it could be a BMW manufacturing uh, line or a Mercedes. And you could have all this wonderful production going on internally. But if it doesn't get outside the door of the factory, what's the point of its creation? Why? And I believe the church has been like this. We've had people come into the church. They've heard the word. They've listened. They've had the holy huddles and cuddles and all that sort of stuff. But why haven't they stepped outside the blinking door? Why? One or two people have, which has been great. But I think there's an ownership on the churches now. Let's get serious about being church, not just hearing church. Let's do what the word says. And we're starting to see this release of people um, start to leave the church. I had this crazy thought last night. The church is a little bit like this. Chicken coops. Yeah, we've got all these, um, we're, you know, we're not free ranging. We're in these, co uh, these, these coops and there's different sizes, different designs. Some are flash, pretty, some are pretty um, scody. But the churches are like that. Some have got steeples, glass, stained glass windows, all that sort of stuff. But the churches are like that. And we've got all these people cooped up in the coop. They're not designed to be cooped up in the coop, but we've had few that have actually flown the cuckoo's nest or the church, uh, which has been cool. And they are the crazy ones, by the way. They go out and do some amazing things. They're, they're the heroes of faith. But we've got to start to think differently. And I'm painting these pictures. This is, I'm not going words today. I'm trying to paint pictures for you just to try and dumb it down to make it really, really clear. It also helps me because I'm not really good with big words. Uh, thing is, we have our church, and that's important. So let's get people in the door. They're going to come. If we push that enter key, you'll see a little baby bottle come hopefully on the screen. Our disciples are going to come in. They're going to give their heart to the Lord. Lord, anoint our PowerPoint, we say. Keep on going, Khan. You might have to jump forward. But we're going to have people come into the church. They're going to get discipled. They're going to get equipped. There they go. Something's going to happen. James was talking about the milk of the word last week or the week before. But we want to have meat. They might be meat eaters there, hopefully. But what happens? People only get as far as the, the, the door of the church. You know, they, they are captivated within the church. They don't see the world that they've been designed to do. But we've had these amazing people that have gone out with the light of the gospel into a dark, ugly 
world. And they've shone their light to ethnic people groups, you know, their neighbours, their friends. They, they've gone and they, they've shone this light. But the problem is, if you've got a torch, what happens with a torch? The batteries run out. And this is what's happened with the church. We've had these resourced people that all of a sudden it's like... You know. And so what happens with flat batteries? You've either got to replace the batteries, and we've had like, you know, people you know, coming and fortifying what's going on, or you've got to think about recharging the batteries. And a lot of what I do is actually help missionaries recharge their life and their missionary and, and on, on their mission situation. That's a start. But I'm thinking, hey God, there has to be a far better way. This is too exhausting. Is there another way to crack the code on this? And I believe that this is part of the new way of God setting the church up. It's like we've got to have something plugged in, like this light. And we can have the best light plugged in that the switch has got to be switched on. And I'm feeling and sensing there's a switching on of the individuals. There's a power source coming to the nations of the world. And it's not like one person with one light, here I am, you know. It's, not, it's a whole team of people coming together, back to back, shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, rallying it, doing it together. James could have gone to India by himself. Probably would have been a whole lot less snoring and stuff going on. But I'll tell you what, these young ones are coming with them and there's more fun, more passion. You know, you do the, you do the job, but there's so much camaraderie doing it together. James and Viv are going. If you don't know James and Viv, it was like uh, Sonny and Cher this morning up here. Um, <laughs> but they're going, they're going off to Fiji next week. Um, uh, Samu and, and Susanna are there this week. They left yesterday because we're looking at doing a church plant. First in Jerusalem, Samaria ends of the earth. There's something happen, happening there. James and Viv are going to spy out the land, not get a tan. Well, they might get that. No yeah, chance. No chance. <laughs> but tell you what, it's, it's, we're starting something fresh. We're on the cusp of you know, fresh things in the church. Yes. We've got to start to step out and, and see and do church differently. God is starting to sw- sw- switch the switch. This is another way of seeing it. You know, I come from a corporate background, and you've got like a company where you might have the CEO or the director. It's part of corporate society. You've also got managers. They're responsible for the team. And then you've actually got the workforce, the people that actually roll their sleeves up and get stuck and do the job. They're the ones that are actually doing the hard graft. Then we also have another group of people, and this group of people essentially is, if you push the enter key coming on, it's the students. They are the apprentices. They are the learners. They are the young ones coming through the system. They're going through university. They're in high school. They're starting to actually prepare for the workforce. But we also have this other group of people that are called the hobos, the unemployed, the people that really are doing nothing. It's sad. But if we bring this into the church environment, we have like the director or the senior pastor, the CEO, then we also have um, another group of people, the mobilizers, other like the, the elders and the staff members. And then we have another group of people, like the workers, the people that do the setup, the chairs, the, the, the coffee, the tea, the, the vacuuming, um, putting out the signs, pulling the signs away, hopefully, all that sort of stuff. They're the, they're the, the people in the grunt. They're doing the real job of church. And then there's another group of people. Do you know what that other group of people called? They're the disciples. They're the new people coming in, which we want to train, equip, and get in to the workforce as quickly as possible. Yeah, not in 10 years' time, but like tomorrow or this afternoon. 
because if someone gets saved this morning, they can always help put the chairs up this afternoon. <laughs> Thing is, there's also another group of people in the church, and you know what that group is called? Pew warmer. How many pew warmers are sitting in the church? They're probably getting numb bums, but I tell you what, there's a sense of urgency around the global church that the pew warmers are getting dissatisfied, they're getting miffed, they're getting so disappointed and just sitting, you know. They are so wanting to change the world, but they're not able to do it. Why? Because they haven't been released. And this is a church of release. And I believe the bigness of our God is going to release people into things that are going to be way beyond our imagination, our comprehension. Invitations are coming um, unexpectedly. And, and it's amazing. We're starting to see points on the scoreboard really quickly uh, mount up. But as we look at a church situation, just move on, Khan. This is not our church, but it represents the church. We have input, and it's going to be new believers, transfer growth, um, all that sort of stuff. They come into the church. The heart of a church is to release those people. There has to be an output, because as we stand before God, he's going to say, well, what's the output? What's it all about? You know, We're not playing church. We have to be the church. So coming back to you as an individual... What's this got to do with me? You know, why me? Well, I'll tell you what, it starts. And, and as I look at churches around the world, I think there's probably eight levels of church, and I'll go through this really quickly. The first group is what I call self-absorbed church. Everything is spent on itself. They've got great air conditioning, pastor's got a BMW, uh, big, I wouldn't have a Mac t uh, computer, probably have a PC, but yeah, all this sort of stuff is all spent internally. Uh, there's no sense of outside the goldfish pond. And then there's a second group of people, which is um, random. What they're doing is throwing their resources randomly over this wall to external initiatives that have got nothing to do with the church or there's nothing strategic about it. You know, someone says, I've got a, an uncle on the field serving in Mongolia, can you help? And somehow they get $20 a month. You know, that's random. There's nothing applied. There's nothing strategic. There's nothing measurable about that. Very little accountability. And there's another group of churches which is like casual deployment, you know, where they're doing church and the, still the majority of the resources are still spent on themselves. You know, and we've got to have facilities for the church. It's important to do that. You know, but thing is, it's mainly self-focused. But occasionally, there's a deployment of resources. Like the denomination says, well, there's a new church plant happening in uh, Timbuktu. Um, can you help support that? And all of a sudden, $500 goes to Timbuktu. You know, that's important. It's strategic, but it's not really doing mission. It's pretty abstract. And then there's another group of churches which is a little bit more intentional again. And this is upping the game plan. They're becoming missionally sensitive. There's strategic partnerships that are taking place globally. And I believe this is where Faith Point is at currently. And God's saying, I want you to up the game plan. Uh, it's like the thematic uh, sensors uh, has been set up to another level. And, you know, we're becoming sensitive. Strategic partnerships are taking place globally. We've got them. And we can look at the scoreboards and step back and say, well, that was well done. You know, people got saved and churches got started and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's where it's at. But I think God's saying, hey, you can do better. We can always do better. And so what's this next style of church? And I believe it's like, um, it's strong. It's got an incredible worldview. They're passionate about the lost um, locally. 
They're starting to see the whole world. They're seeing the 1040 window. They're seeing where missionaries have gone. They, they know that Jesus has got to go to tribal groups and, and Islamic groups and Buddhist groups. And there's people that are dying and going to hell. And we've got to support the missionaries there. And all sorts of things are going on. And it's like in the heart of the church, this missional awareness has been lit. That's where we're moving into right now. And hopefully you'll catch this Holy Ghost virus. It'll, and hopefully it's going to be like better than bird flu or anything like that. It's going to hit everyone. Um, you won't all have to go onto the field. It would be nice if you could. Um, most of it's going to be here in the engine room. And then there's another group of churches, which I believe that God wants us to be able to stretch our imagination to. And this is where the whole church is engaged for the lost. You know, we're seeing an empowered, released bunch of people deployed strategically with intent, with focus. Short-term, long-term, medium-term. We're going to have the veterans on the field. We're going to have pastoral support team counselling people, going visiting and, and encouraging them. We're going to see in the heart of the church a planning and releasing and a deployment of the individuals, looking at the gifts and the skill sets and, and the passions that people have and thinking, how can we release this? How can we release this? One reason why I'm taking Khan to Surabaya next week or the week after is there's a, there's a number of denominations that are stuck in the rut. And it was like, they say, Phil, can you get them out of the rut? It's like, that's a hot potato. It's like a lead balloon. How do you let this thing fly? Well, I believe that Khan, you know, with his marketing background, is going to come along and add some really clear insights that people have to start to see the world in a different way, you know, from a marketing perspective, how they have to do church better. And so we can all add something to this. Uh, we, we have to start to engage in a fresh way. Well, I think we can lift the game plan a little bit higher. You know, we got that Kiwi girl with a pole vote, you know, won, won an Olympic medal last year. I think she can go a bit higher. And I think God's saying, hey, church, go a bit higher. And we're seeing this other phase where there's an intentional strategic release, but everyone is fully engaged in the Great Commission. Diana might, mean, might not like me saying this too much, but she's stuck in a wheelchair, cerebral palsy. She didn't plan for that. But down the back there, there's a thing saying, missions. There's all these kids in Africa, Kenya, that need support. You know, she could say, well, I'm stuck in a wheelchair. I can't do anything. I can't change the world. She is, and she's doing it, you know. Get behind her, friends, you know. There's no limitations of what you can do. What's God saying you to do? And she's been doing this for how long? Ten years. Ten years doing that, you know, and God's saying, go, 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 go. You know, that's, that's what it's all about, you know. <laughs> Got to grow it. If you can support that, get behind Diana. You know, really bless her. Pray for her. You know, if you need chocolate, is there chocolates there? All those calorie things, all those good things for you. Yeah. Or buy them and give them away to someone. Just bless them. Be sensitive. But I think there's another way of going to another level. And this is what I call eight. And this is a fully missional, fully generational church where people are coming in. You know, they might be in creche. They might be in junior church. They might be somewhere in the system. They're embracing this whole missional lifestyle. And as those old fossils get put in caskets and lowered into the ground or shoved into a kiln somewhere, there's a new generation of people coming on board that are going to take it to a new level with a new passion. And friends, I am absolutely persuaded if we do this properly, we won't even have to pass it on to a new generation. Why is this? Because the Lord of Lords is going to come back and say, mission accomplished, mission accomplished. And friends, I want to look back in the grandstands and just look at faith points.
playback and seeing all these heroes of faith. Forget Hebrews 11. Think about faithful, faith point, um, moving in, changing the world. You know, we all have roles to play. Um, you know, we've got Roger and, uh, and Karen. They've got a, a business. I take their old, um, not old, their brand new clothes that it might be seconds that, you know, have screen printing things, suitcases up to orphanages. That's missions, friends. You know, um, that's all part of the kingdom growth. What's God asking you to do? We've only got one short life. As a church, as an individual. I'm going to hand over to Pastor James now because um, I don't want to make a mess of this. But I just sense there's an urgency of the hour. We're on the cusp of greatness. And it takes sensitivity of the Spirit of God to do what he wants us to do. Whether it's today, tomorrow, this week, next year.